0: When you write your content, who are you writing for? It's an important question to answer. You need to have someone in mind when you write. But there's another audience you should have. The robots. Specifically, search engines. If you're not writing for both, you could be missing out on traffic, signups, and sales. Luckily, Maddie Osman and her new book, Writing for Humans and Robots, is here to help. This is episode 272. You can find all of the links, including a link to Maddie's book, over at howibuilt.it slash 272. Thanks to today's sponsors. They are Nexus, Dash and Text Expander. You'll hear about them more later on in the show. But for now, let's get on to the intro and then the interview. Hey, everybody, and welcome to How I Built It, the podcast that helps small business owners create engaging content that drives sales. Each week, I talk about how you can build good content faster to increase revenue and establish yourself as an authority. I'm your host, Joe Casabona. Now let's get to it. All right, I am here with Maddie Osman founder of The Blogsmith and author of the upcoming book, Writing for Humans and Robots, The New Rules of Content Style. Uh, Maddie's a good friend of mine. We were in a mastermind group for a while and she's been on the show before talking about getting gigs on Fiverr. This is much more in her wheelhouse though. So I feel like that last episode, I'll link it in the show notes, but that was like a favor to me. This is (laughs) repaying that favor. Maddie, how are you today?
1: I'm doing great. Thank you so much for reaching out and giving me this opportunity to chat about something I've been spending a lot of time on.
0: Yeah. So you you started writing this like a couple of, was this a NaNoWriMo production, right? This is like a couple of NaNoWriMo's ago?
1: It was, yeah. So I think it was NaNoWriMo of November 2020. And, um, it kind of sat around for a bit because I was in limbo about my pandemic wedding. And then that mm-hmm. kind of became a thing again, um, when I planned the reception and I yep. just figured, you know, I'm not going to have the brain power to finish this until I just get that done.
0: Yeah. Now, did you, I've tried and failed many nano NaNoWriMo Rhimo before. Um, that's not to say like, I'm like a multiple, 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 multiply published (laughs) author. Um, no self-published once, half-assed. Um, (laughs) and I'll probably self-publish again, but so it's not that I don't have the capacity to write a book, but I feel (laughs) like if I'm left to my own devices, right, which is like, Oh, NaNoWriMo, I have to I show up every day myself, right? It's pretty easy to get right. busy. Uh, and with three kids, well, I guess it was just two kids Definitely. at that point. Um, uh, I did start writing a book uh, in the last NaNoWriMo. So what, what was it like? Uh, right. Like what, what kind of discipline did you need for writing for NanoRIMO? And do, does their support system help? Cause like maybe that was my problem. I just didn't take advantage of sure. their own support.
1: Yeah, you know, so I think normally, pre-pandemic, NanoRimo typically has city hubs and, mm-hmm. um, like, groups where you could actually physically oh. go in, do your writing, go to, like, a library or something.
0: Cool.
1: Um, and obviously that wasn't the case in 2020. They did have, they have, like, a forum-type thing through their website, and then I think they also have a Discord channel, so you can kind of just pop in and be like, You know, this is me kind of checking in. Here's what I'm working on today. And that's the camaraderie of just um, existing in that virtual space together. I didn't end up interacting much with their forum or chats or anything like that. Um, They also have like, there's a Reddit, a subreddit for Mm -hmm. NaNoWriMo and kind of the same thing. Um, But what I did was more using Twitter and like using the NaNoWriMo hashtag and you know, kind of following along with other people's projects while also sharing my progress. And so I think what it comes down to is that everybody gets that accountability different, you know, like one of those things isn't going to work for everyone, but there Mm -hmm. are many different communities. And so you just have to find the one that you're most excited about or that you're most, um, you know, willing to participate in. And um, so that that kept me going to to kind of like announce my intent and then to to share what I was doing every day that that convinced me I think to just like keep doing it and keep sharing.
0: That's awesome. Uh, And finding value in Twitter too. I know that uh, Mm -hmm. in our mastermind group we discussed my massive disdain for Twitter, Uh, but I have (laughs) I have been using it more effective lately, Um, more more effectively. That's too many adjectives, uh, adverbs. Um. Anyway, I've been doing better. It could work. It. it could work. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> I've been doing better at it lately. A couple of weeks ago, as people are hearing this, I interviewed Jay Klaus uh, talking about Tweet 100, which was kind of the thing that made me use Twitter more effectively because that legitimately did gain me a lot of followers uh, relative to the number I usually gain. And so... Um, mm-hmm. I've, I've backpedaled a little bit. I heavily filter Twitter, but f- finding the right communities and especially cause they have that, that community tab now, um, Twitter yeah, can you be have super effective
1: good rules in place.
0: To, I, to I sure do. Manageable. Yes. I'm always afraid <laughs> to share. Like I've, ac- I accidentally like shared my like Twitter mute terms before, like in a live stream. And I was like, Oh man. <laughs> cause I just feel like I'm going to get yelled at. Like, how could you mute this thing that I care about? Um, right. Right. But eh. no, it's listen, personal. yeah, you should know listeners. I'm an equal, it's not a single cause or anything. It's just things I'm sick of hearing about on Twitter. I think right. that's the important part, right? I don't I don't care about totally. people's hot takes about whatever. I want like actual experts talking about it so that I'm informed and not just like right. what this person thought at three in the morning. Uh anyway, that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk <laughs> about your your book. Oh, the the other thing I want to talk to you about or mention about Nano is yes. it feels like it's mostly geared towards fiction. Is yes. that okay, because in your book is nonfiction, my book was nonfiction. Um, or all of my books are nonfiction, I guess. Um did was did it make it harder to use their resources because of that?
1: Um, I mean, it's it's definitely different, right? Like it's going a little bit against the grain of like what their sort of like online logging tool is meant for, kind of what the community stands yeah. for,
0: right? Because like they have like the who's your main character or whatever, and I'm like uh, the reader, <laughs> like I guess I don't know,
1: right? Yeah. <laughs> A business
0: owner, <laughs> yeah, right, cool. So maybe, maybe that's an interesting exercise to try, though. Maybe I'll, maybe that'll be like one of my YouTube videos. It'll be like I'm gonna try to fit this nonfiction book into a fiction <laughs> box or whatever. Um, right. Awesome. So, so let's dive in to the book. Uh, we'll we're gonna dive specifically into one chapter in a minute, um, and then you can really listeners get the get, see the kind of value you're going to get. Uh, But I want to talk more generally about how you came up with, with this idea first.
1: Totally. So, um, the initial initial idea came from the fact that I knew I wanted to write a book, And then during the pandemic, you know, we all had some extra time, I think, that was usually (laughs) spent outside of our houses. Mm -hmm. And so we had to find ways (laughs) to keep ourselves entertained in our houses. And so I was like, okay, so I have this time. I know I want to do something. What exactly do I want to do? And um, it was, I think, around the same time I had developed... a style guide for the blogsmith for our writers and for our editors. It was at a time where the team was starting to expand beyond me and maybe like one or two other writers. It was, it was, um, growing. And so I needed some sort of tool to be able to consistently grow my team without sacrificing quality, without, you know, creating a lot of edits, because as you grow, if you have problems, those problems just become larger. If you don't have a plan for how to deal with them. And so, so, you know, I'm thinking about this style guide. I'm thinking it's already pretty long. It's like 20 pages long. It's, it's no small thing, but I thought that what it was missing was some helpful context and examples and not just like sharing a rule of style. Like you should write headings this way, but to, Mm -hmm. to give the context of like, don't do this. Here's why do this. Here's why, you know, just to kind of like, to make it something that somebody could actually apply to their writing versus like, what does that mean?
0: Yeah. So it's almost like how in like the brand guidelines, like they'll show like proper use of a logo and then they'll have like right. poor use of a logo with like an X over. Exactly. It, you
1: know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to, to come up with those examples if you don't have prior experience or if you're new to the team or if you're new to writing for a certain client or something like that. So so yeah, I think I went into nano thinking I'm just gonna expand this style guide and kind of see where that goes. And so at the end of um the what is it, thirty days? Is it 31 days of thirty one days in November?
0: Thirty days take thirty days. November, April, September June, or uh, yeah and
1: November. <laughs> yeah, right.
0: April, we got, June June and November. we got there it's <laughs> got 30 this. days yeah
1: <laughs> so, so, so every NaNoWriMo there's 30 days to, yeah. <laughs> to write 50,000 words we've established <laughs> perfect <laughs> um and so yeah so at the end at the end of those 30 days I had however many chapters you know some of them I spent multiple days on some of them it was one day or maybe there were days where I did two chapters at a time because they were short and it you know it just like it It didn't have a coherent structure yet. It was kind of still like just a bunch of related things, but it wasn't until I did a round of professional edits. I also had my mom proofread to add sort of like the industry outsider perspective Mm -hmm. and like, does do these words make sense, you know?
0: And your, your mom teaches English or, or? She did. She did. Okay. Yeah.
1: So she was she was an English teacher for many years. Um, and so and then, you know, she like ruthlessly corrects my grammar mm-hmm.
0: yeah. as I speak. <laughs> so,
1: <laughs> so she was a great person to nitpick the details. Um, but yeah, it wasn't until I completed honestly a few rounds of edits that I was like, okay, so like these things go together, these things go together, and that's then where the sort of like writing for humans and robots came together for me because it was like this stuff like that's just for the human this stuff it's kind of about both of them you know
0: this episode is brought to you by text expander what can you do with more hours repetitive typing little mistakes searching for answers they're all taking precious time away from you with text expander you can take it back and focus on what matters most in 2021, TextExpander saved me 34 typing hours. That doesn't even include the collective hours I would have spent looking for responses, links, resources, code, and anything else I type regularly. Talk about creating more efficiently. You will never need to copy-paste repetitive responses again. With TextExpander, your knowledge will always be at your fingertips with a quick search or abbreviation. Text Expander is available on all platforms and show listeners get 20% off. Take back your time today at textexpander.com/slash podcast. So it sounds like the story kind of came after you had this skeleton of of a style guide. Right. Did you did you outline it all? Like, I know I maybe I overcomplicate my process, but like I will like mind map. Um, mm-hmm. especially like with my HTML book. Cause like HTML and CSS is like such a, to.
1: right. It's like right? such
0: a vast thing that I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. I'm writing a book for people who've never written HTML and CSS before. What you do I cover, cover? What don't I? Things. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, did you do, did you do something similar? What, what, I guess, what was your brainstorming process? Like, I don't want to put it in like a mind sure. map box. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh,
1: my maps are great. And yeah. I would say it's, you know however you outline it's it's going to be similar to that just kind of throwing ideas onto the screen trying to make connections you know figuring out what the end goal is obviously um so I think what I did was I really just took that style guide that I had and kind of broke it down into like okay so these concepts kind of go together like that's a chapter Mm -hmm. um you know maybe i'll talk about this maybe this is too much information or maybe that's not relevant to a book or maybe that's just blogsmith specific so let's axe that you know mm-hmm. so the the outlining stage was just kind of translating the style guide into like sections and then uh, essentially taking those and then expanding them during the draft so i i made it it was pretty easy because i already had that at least foundation and I would say that if I were to do NaNoWriMo again, I would absolutely need an outline because I think it's hard to show up every day if you don't mm-hmm. know what you're going to work on or if you don't even have like options because there were some chapters where I'm just like, oh, this is like just going to be hard to explain. You know, it's like, One of those, I'm sure you, you get it all the time with like the HTML and CSS. It's just like, there's some things you're like, I I get it. It's like hard to explain though, you know? Right.
0: Right. I mean, especially depending on who you're writing for, like, like, is it for a beginner? How much context do I need to provide? Right. Is it someone advanced? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's hard. I mean, teaching is hard.
1: <laughs> it it really is. And so yeah. yeah, some days it's like my brain doesn't have the capacity to write about X technical subject, but maybe I could work on the chapter about images, which is kind of fun, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's so funny because I um I have to write my books linearly. Like or my courses. Mm. Um Right like Makes I sense. I don't write courses or books out of order. Uh, because I feel like, and I know people who do, right? Like your approach is mm-hmm. probably a good one, especially if you have writer's block. Like, um, and, and maybe I've done it before. Cause like I, I've had chapters where like, it was like kind of like discrete topics that like were kind of set apart from everything else. But sure. if, if I reference something, um, I want to make sure it's already written. Right. And I want to like say in chapter That's seven, part of it. yeah, right. Yeah. Right. Um, and I guess that's where like the proofreaders come in and stuff like that, but depending right. on, but, on yeah, the process, is- they're like proofing s- chapters separately, right They're not reading the whole book through once, most likely.
1: So. Yeah, typically, especially if it's not in that final order. But I will yeah. say that when I had my team go through and do edits, which actually like really that was probably the edit that most shaped the book was when the people mm-hmm. who like use blogsmith style every day actually went in and you know clarified things or added context or challenged things um that's that's definitely where it became the best but i'm trying to think of what what i was trying to say um
0: referencing oh, con- yeah continuity
1: yeah. yes yeah. um so so like so like we did an edit at the very end throughout but then again at the end just to be like did like is this the first mention of a concept have we defined it, you know, like, Mm -hmm. does it does it make sense in this order? Because we changed the order after the initial um, edits. And so yeah, yeah, it was totally possible that some things like did not make sense in the new order. So I mean, that's, I think that's an important edit to go through, no matter what, but especially if you're going to be rearranging things after the fact because it's it's very likely that you missed something
0: yeah and I should make clear that I actually don't know like how my book was proofread um we'll talk (laughs) we'll 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 talk about this in in build something more uh but um, this is a self-published book mad that Maddie has written uh I have self-published once but my self-published was like basically like a bunch of articles put together um and so we'll talk the differences in process there. If you want to get an ad-free extended version of this conversation, head over to the show notes, howibuilt.it slash 272. You'll see a sign up there. You'll also see a link to Maddie's book, which you can pre-order now. Um, and you'll you'll hear kind of Maddie's approach to, uh, to self-publishing and going through all of the edits herself versus my experience, which was, through a book publisher who had a team put in place. Uh, So again, that's how I built it slash 272. Um, But yeah, I I don't really know. I know that my book had like four or five editors. I had one point of contact who would uh, read the chapter and uh, as I handed it to him, and then he'd send it to a technical editor uh, Mm -hmm. to make sure everything was like code correct. And this guy must have had like, the HTML spec like memorized because you'd be like, Well, that's not right. And I'm like, I don't know. I'm self taught. Uh so I'm grateful for <laughs>
1: it's right for him. me. <laughs> yeah, right.
0: Yeah. Um but then I suspect like as the book actually came together, the other editors would read it like more in order to make sure like if I had an acronym, right? Like you said, I spelled it out first and then used the acronym or whatever. Um the biggest continuity think- for me, yeah. So I
1: I was just going to say, I think that like technical aspect is really important for a nonfiction book. Um, like in my book, obviously I'm talking about some things about SEO. And so it's like, I don't want to make a claim that like, I don't believe, or that is like something that's easy for somebody to disprove, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's hard because there are so many, what's the opposite of absolute relative. There's so many. Subjective.
0: Yeah. Like subjective subjective views. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And so,
1: you know, it's like, anytime I made a claim, like have to have a citation, like, oh, I, I oversighted everything.
0: Yeah. You know, I did the same thing. And then my, my editor was like, this is not an academic paper. You're the <laughs> expert. But the thing that informed that was my very first book that I published was called like building wordpressings from scratch. And yeah. I mentioned a technique that was like, persona non grata by the time the book Mm. came out and people were like how (laughs) could you tell people to it was it was like using query posts or something like that it was like something Mm. that you're that early on we decided you're not supposed to do and it was like in the book and I was like man never again (laughs) like I will always make sure now that I'm doing the right thing so like yeah it's like scary right when you're putting something to page you can't just update the page of a book that's been printed. Like you can have the it's, like the errata section, but
1: Right. It's yeah. it's not like a blog, which is what I'm more used to. So yeah. it's definitely an adjustment.
0: Yeah. Uh awesome. Um so so the book came together. We'll talk about the self-publishing process and and build something more. Um let let's why don't we go through an outline so people can kind of get an idea of everything that's around uh the the main chapter we'll talk about. So so uh break it this is broken down into two sections, right? Um writing Technically for humans.
1: Three Technically yes, like two yeah. two main ones. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh so we're writing for humans, we're writing for robots, uh and then oh and then I guess we're like kind of combining it. Putting it all right? together. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um and so I have I mean I have the the book up here. I got an advanced copy which makes me feel really good as as a, a podcaster <laughs> and, and hashtag influencer, um, hashtag hashtag. Uh, but I mean, there's like 22 chapters in this. You know, the, it's a it's a it's a weighty book. Um,
1: yeah, I, I have the the proof, not the like for reals for reals. But it's yeah. like it's got some. Meat. Look
0: at that. Yeah, Anna? that's nice. Yeah, that's shy, like. But... I always. This is another thing. My publisher is always like, you need to write more words. And I'm like, but I don't think I need more words. <laughs> like I'm writing the minimum number of words to communicate the concept. And they're like, but we need this to be a certain amount of pages to sell it at the price we want to sell it at. I'm like, fine. Um, just a really funny insight um, in, into that. but Okay, so part one, writing for humans. Give us like a 10,000 foot overview of this section. What is writing for humans? Mm -hmm. Yeah,
1: yeah. I think writing for humans is just appealing to the person that could actually like make a purchase, you know, the person who could, who stands to either benefit from your content or for you to benefit from them reading your content. So it's all about things like being thoughtful with word choice so that you're not unintentionally alienating them. It's about things like how to use numbers in a consistent way, because without having rules around how you use them, it's really easy to get like 10 different things. And then, you know, if you're, for example, writing for a specific client and, you know, you have multiple writers writing for that client and the stuff doesn't look the same, then it just doesn't make you look good. Yeah. Um, It's about things like, um, formatting, you know, using lists, um, how you, I don't know if this is in the humans or the robots chapter, but how to, um, use links, you know, like the anchor Mm -hmm. text, um, even like things like, you know, being careful about, um, extra stuff at the end of the link, like UTM tags or whatever, you know, they may not be necessary because uh, you know you probably have a different campaign than the person who originally shared that link. right. Um, and then, yeah, the last big thing in that section, I think, is um, visuals because it, there there's some crossover with like how a robot would process that visual, but ultimately, you know it's it's for that human reader and to engage them and keep them interested in reading what you put together.
0: Yeah, that's really cool. And so I I like that you explicitly mentioned numbers because this is always something I struggle with. Like I think the rule of thumb that I learned was like, I think up to six or seven, you're supposed to write the number out like in, in letters. It's something um, like under 10, I think. Okay, is it under 10? I wasn't sure, but like, yeah, up to a certain number. I think that's
1: AP Styles, yeah. Okay, okay. Specifically, so it could be different with Chicago, for example. Oh,
0: gotcha, yeah. that That's always interesting to me, and I'm like, I wonder why. But then, like, I guess in certain contexts, right, if you're talking about, like, math, right, you're not going to write, like, T-E-N plus seven, like one seven. Or right. Whatever. Like, you know, so that's, I, I just think it's really interesting that you, Grammarly always corrects me with that. Uh, I like, I paid for <laughs> yeah, Grammarly I for mean, a quarter. <laughs> yeah.
1: That chapter was probably one of the more boring ones to write, but also like one of the more necessary for my team because, um, you know, it's, it's also like talking about things like using symbols, like some people, some brands that I've worked with, want to use the percent sign some of them want to spell it out and it's like Mm. you know in order to be consistent with that so that they're not constantly telling me like hey maddie like why did you do it this way when we already told you we want it this way like that's that's why it's important to have a style guide and to and to define those rules it it just helps you look like more of a professional and it saves your clients time on making those silly edits
0: this episode is brought to you by Store Builder from Nexus. When it comes to setting up an e-commerce site, you have a choice between easy but limited or a limitless platform that you need to manage yourself. Until now. Store Builder is e-commerce made easy for everybody. It saves you time and delivers a storefront that lets you get to selling. As someone who set up multiple e-commerce sites, I can tell you that StoreBuilder has been a much easier experience than anything else. Answer a few questions, add your content, and sell. StoreBuilder was created and is supported by e-commerce experts at Nexus. Get the speed, security, and support you need when you need it. Are you ready to launch your perfect online store? Head over to howibuilt.it slash storebuilder for a special offer. That's howibuilt.it slash storebuilder. So let's go on a quick side quest here. Uh, Do you have a different style guide for each client or do you have like your base style guide and then you make adjustments based on the client's preferences? It's that That's one. more
1: of what it is. Okay. Um, some clients are very specific. And so, yeah, like if they have a detailed style guide, we're probably just going to go with that. And then the writers know Blacksmith style for whatever isn't explicitly defined. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, for the most part, it's it's just making adjustments and kind of saying like, here's where that rule differs from ours.
0: Nice. And I, and so what's interesting about this and that book, right, is like you, you mentioned, like, that was a boring chapter to write. Uh, again, just like in my last book, like, you know, kind of the whatever, how to use an FTP program is like not. I mean, <laughs> HT, HTML is not like a page turner, right? It's like I wrote a textbook. Um, but this could really serve as a resource not only for content creators like myself and the listeners, but for sure. agencies who might need to put together their own style guide, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's the hope ultimately is that people will use this to create their own rules. And, you know, they don't have to look exactly like mine, but as long as you're defining them and sharing them with whoever's involved in that process, the goal is ultimately to save everybody time and effort.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and so the writing for robots section, by robots, you, you basically mean, I won't explicitly name any search engine, but search engines, right? <laughs>
1: Yes, exactly. So any, any sort of like robotic entity that would be indexing and then serving up your content to that, that end user and and mostly search engine spiders. But what's kind of interesting too, is now we have um, all these like AI tools, um, especially in the world of writing. And so it's just interesting to, to maybe put yourself in the perspective of like how these robots "Quote unquote," think you know how they how they process information and and even how much more sophisticated they're they're getting as um, search engines refine their algorithms.
0: Yeah, that's you know that's that's another kind of interesting thing to think about. Have you so have you used any AI tools to like write um, any content for yourself? We'll say I don't want to put your agency on blast here, but have you tried any?
1: We've definitely tried them. I would say more for like components of the creation Mm -hmm. process, whether that's like headline generation ideas or even like an initial outline. Um, We use two AI, or maybe they're more machine learning, or maybe it's a combo um, tools right now for like the briefing process and then kind of for the final content optimization process. I think you're you're familiar with them. Um, ClearScope is one mm-hmm. and then Phrase is another. And so okay. the way that those work is more kind of just like scraping Google data and then presenting it to you in a way that you can act on it versus like creating an outline or something like that. But it's the idea that it's saving us doing all that research, um, giving us like a, an early win kind of.
0: Yeah, that's that's really interesting. I I did. I've always been kind of suspect of them. Um, I tried AnyWord. Full disclosure: AnyWord paid me for a review on my YouTube channel. Um, and I gave it a try and I was actually like surprised. Like, I mean, the main content was like, whatever, uh, but like the headlines, right? Like, I think it was like ideas for how to make money with your podcast. And there were a couple mm. that I didn't think of or didn't think of like immediately, like, like selling merch or whatever. Um, and I thought that that was, that was really impressive. And so yeah. if nothing else, it did, it gave me like an outline to, to work from, which I thought was pretty cool.
1: I think that's the main use case of them right now. It's it's to sort of assist you. It shouldn't replace like your own mm-hmm. human ingenuity or, you know, your right. own human emotions, like whatever it is about you that connects with other people. Um, but it, it's interesting right before this, um, I was on Twitter and I saw that somebody had done like an experiment where they had published like. Thirty thousand ai written articles and Mm -hmm. um he said like like only a very small percentage of them ever got indexed and then you know they hit their peak rank but now are going downhill and he's like you know if i want to improve that i'm gonna have to totally rewrite these articles so at this point like google has come out and said that any AI generated content is not something that if they know that that's what it is that they're going to rank. So
0: right, and and like some think about yeah, and like some of these tools like are basically lifting paragraphs. Well, from what I understand, from what people have told me, right, these tools can sometimes lift straight paragraphs from other blog posts. Right, right? yeah, yeah. Um, Plus, like AI can't tell a story from your personal life. I just wrote a blog post today about like how. Uh the eye doctor, my optometrist, got an extra 40 bucks out of me and I happily paid it uh because I I didn't want to get dilated because that's like an like four to six hours out of my workday that I can't that I lose, right? Um right. and they're like, Well, well, for thirty-nine dollars, we can just do like a a, a photo of the back <laughs> of your eye, and that doesn't affect your vision at all. And I'm like, Yeah. Cool. F- perfect, <laughs> do done. Um and then I related that back to like if you understand your customers and their problems, like you can also come up with these these little add on offers. Um, 100%. AI's AI's not going to the doctor, you know. So and
1: and I yeah. think what's really interesting too is like it would be hard for I think either of us, even though like we are content creators, to like look at two sentences side by side and be able to identify which one was which. But if it came down to like. In the wild, you know, looking at those two things and one of those influencing a purchase decision, I think it, the one that does that would be the human written one because it would be written from a point of empathy or sympathy or whatever, you know, just to whatever extent. Versus the robot one can't do that yet. Maybe it yeah. can't do it ever.
0: Right, right, um, and you know it, that's something that um, Sean Hesketh of one of WP one hundred and one and one hundred and one videos has talked about, like. When we were making videos together, he would talk about this attention to detail, uh, and like syncing up, like syncing up the background music so that like when you do something, like the crescendo of, of the background music matches that. Uh, or when you say click, like then the click happens because people might not be able to uh, verbalize why something seems off, but they will, they'll know. It'll be like kind Mm -hmm. of instinct. Like this doesn't feel right. Um, so those little attentions to details, right? Like AI can't do that yet. Hopefully Mm -hmm. never. (laughs) Right. Uh, I'm a technologist, but I don't want that. Um, Awesome. So writing for humans, appealing to the person, uh, that the empathy being thoughtful in your word choice and things like that, writing for robots, appealing to search engines and maybe some of these, uh, these AI tools. Um, then you put it all together. How do you write content that works for both humans and robots? I, I assume is what that is.
1: Yeah, you know, a lot of it is um, kind of like building out your own style guide, like taking some of these lessons and some of these thoughts and like, how can you then apply it to your own brand? And so it gets into uh, like, it's also kind of tangentially related to like social media style. And like, how does that differ from like, long form content, you know, like, Mm -hmm. what things are the same, what things are different. Um, And then I share a couple examples of both social media and like written brand style guides that people can also consult to. Um, again, just as like a reference to build their own.
0: Nice. Uh, and so with that, let's, let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, I, I looked through the book. I, uh, I didn't read it cover to cover yet, but it is on my Kindle ready to go. Um, but chapter 11 is, is the one that really stood out for me. That's in part two, writing for robots. Uh, (laughs) though I suspect there's good advice for, I mean, I, I know there is for humans and (laughs) robots here, uh, how to write compelling SEO titles and page titles. And what, what my favorite part of this chapter was kind of headline formulas, right? If, if, um, A keen observer of how I built.it might have noticed uh, that any of my episodes from like 2018 and before uh, were formatted like episode 132, you know, guest name and company name. Um, But I recently had, like I created a spreadsheet of all of those. I came up with new titles and my VA. Went in and updated all of those titles, um, awesome. and so yeah, and and because episode whatever name and whatever is like not a compelling headline, whereas like how to deal with negative reviews on your product with Jason Coleman, like that is a uh, a compelling headline. So, um, totally. what's your advice for writing? Uh, a a a good headline i guess for from the robot perspective and from the human perspective
1: totally um okay let's start with the human one so there there's like a a stat a fact an example whatever you want to call it that that has stuck with me pretty much since i read about it and um it's an example from buffer and so what they do is whenever they're trying to determine what the best headline for an article, the article title should be, they'll tweet different versions of it. And so they'll use that as the tweet copy. And then they just dig into the analytics on that, you know, what got the most impressions, click throughs, whatever. And then that ends up becoming the title of their article. So I think that's so great, because it it ultimately doesn't matter how good you think the title is, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. you might think that you have like, such a winner, um, just like perfect, whatever. But obviously, if if nobody ever clicks through and reads what it corresponds to, then the title did not do its job.
0: Right. So right.
1: um, so yeah, so I think their tip is is just great because it it then involves the end reader and it's real data. It's you know, sharing it with your audience and seeing what performs. Um so that's my favorite human example.
0: So think- so real quick on that, right? So they'll I, I they'll tweet they'll tweet the headline. I assume with a link, right? Because uh, I feel right. like a, just the headline is like feels like a non sequitur, right? Like a, right, 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 twenty yeah, ways to increase engagement. What are they? <laughs> yeah, cool. Exactly. So they're kind of like A B testing headline. So they must pick one, right? And then they kind of A B test on Twitter. That's cool.
1: Exactly. Yep. Um, And then as far as like robots, um, again, it really, it really comes down to eventually how it influences the human. But I think a good way to judge how the robots are, are just, you know, processing your content is to, to definitely, if you don't already have Google search console installed on your website and have it gathering data and then, they have this search results report where you can see the clicks and impressions associated with the different keywords that you're ranking for. And so, um, that, I guess it's not so much about titles, but more so, um, just what's, what is ranking, you know, like Mm -hmm. what you are effectively ranking for and, and, and the words that people are using to find you. And so I think that, That's an important insight from the robot side, but to apply to the end reader.
0: Yeah. And that's really interesting, right? Because, you know, you said like it really still comes down to how it influences the human. Because the robots, I mean, Google specifically, right? They are part of their page rank is what people are clicking on and recommending, right? So, so exactly, you can have the most factually correct article. But if mm-hmm. it's like, if Boring. it's just called like whatever, yeah, you know, like a, a treaty on headlines or whatever, like nobody's going to click <laughs> on that. Um, right. And so, and you also in this chapter mentioned, uh, well, so actually you mentioned Google Search Console. Are there any other, um, I've been on a quest for for a good keyword research tool lately uh full disclosure Ahrefs uh was a a sponsor of this show um and I use their like free thing but Mm. (laughs) they don't accept American Express as as I record this and that's like where I run all of my business expenses through and I get like unreasonably mad when some somebody doesn't accept that so um, (laughs) there's a
1: lot of people that don't for sure I have I have one for my like personal credit card and yeah. I always feel bad when I bring it to like a small business. So I'm like, I guess I use my other card, but if it's like Dunkin Donuts or whatever, I'm like, you guys can take the hit.
0: Yeah. I like <laughs> in in my opinion, if you have an enterprise level plan, like you should probably accept Amex, right? Like <laughs> um but that that's not again, full disclosure, that's not like a knock on the tool or anything, but that is I try to keep my books as as clean and run all of my expenses through Amex. So, um, what are Feel you? That. What are you? What are you using these days for uh, for keyword research?
1: I will say most mostly Ahrefs, but um, there are some really awesome free tools that work within the SERP, the search engine results page of whatever keywords you want more information about. Um, keywords everywhere. Great Chrome extension. I believe they have a Firefox extension as well. And um, it just kind of adds data like on the sidebar of mm. whatever SERP you're searching for. And then on a similar note, uh, Keyword Surfer, which is Surfer SEOs, I think they just call themselves Surfer now. Mm-hmm. Same sort of idea. And then I think they have some like additional insights that you wouldn't get just from Keywords Everywhere. They've kind of opened their tool up a bit, kind of like Ahrefs has, where they have you know some free versions or free, um, features. Um, and I do talk about both of those in the book. I'm trying to remember which chapter that was. Um, it's gotta be. I'm trying to remember. It's definitely in this we, humans and robots section, I would say.
0: Nice. Nice. Um, uh, you know, this reminds me, uh, of the index process, uh, like the like a yearbook doesn't have an index, probably right? Because because you're self published. I right. asked my editor, like I'm like, oh so like, how do you like automate creating the index? And they're like, we don't. We don't. <laughs> <Yeah>. Someone like <laughs> reads the book and then decides <laughs> what the important words to include in the index are. I'm like, what? Uh, yes, that sounds like the worst job in the world to me. Yeah, um, I, I thought yeah.
1: about it, but I was like, I don't know. There, there could definitely be a benefit to that, but I feel like, like maybe the book's not long enough or, yeah, you know, it kind of already yeah. has, it's kind of organized in a way where you should find it where you expect it.
0: Right. And like, I mean, especially today, like if you get the digital copy, like you don't need the index, right? You just search for right. the word. Um, this is true. So I just thought that was really interesting. Um Cool. So thanks for those those recommendations. I'll probably just like stop being a, a turd and uh use a different card for Hrefs because uh it is a really <laughs> it is a really good tool. Um
1: I, I, oh, I will yeah. say I don't know if they're still doing this, but they had um an offer where if you donated to a cause that's helping the situation in Ukraine, um they had like a certain list, but they they offered to match whatever you spent Mm. on that and so so the blacksmith are eight not april what's before april march i'm already getting lost in this year. one of these
0: months (laughs) one of the
1: months that happened this year already
0: um
1: (laughs) our our blacksmith donation recipient was united help ukraine and then like two days later they're like oh we're doing this thing and I think it's it's because a lot of people who work at HRFS are based in Ukraine.
0: Mm, yeah.
1: um, so they they may still be doing that.
0: This episode is brought to you by LearnDash. Look, I've been making courses for a long time. I've taught at the college level and I've created curriculums for several different organizations, including Udemy, Sessions College, and LinkedIn Learning. When I create my own courses, there's no better option than LearnDash. LearnDash combines cutting-edge e-learning tools with WordPress, They're trusted to power learning programs for major universities, small to mid-sized companies, startups, and creators worldwide. What makes LearnDash so great is it was created by and is run by people who deeply understand online learning and adds features that are truly helpful for independent course creators. I love the user experience. And now you can import Vimeo and YouTube playlists and have a course created automatically in seconds, I trust Learn Dash to run my courses and membership, and you should too. Learn more at howibuilt.it It/learn dash. And then I'll just throw one more tool in, in the ring here, uh, which is like it's it's YouTube specific, but it was it's been right. hugely helpful for me. on planning this series on YouTube, uh, which hopefully is out by the time this episode comes out. But um, is Tube Buddy? Uh, it's a Chrome mm-hmm. extension, and you uh it kind of works right alongside YouTube right so you go to a video it gives you all the stats and the keyword ranking but there's also a keyword mm-hmm. research tool built into it um and so that's that was really helpful like i would search like stream deck and like it wouldn't really they're like this is okay but then i'm like stream deck pedal and they're like yeah make content <laughs> about that um awesome so so we have the human and head and and um robot aspect of headlines. What's your approach to writing a headline? Do you, you know, I've heard like write 25 headlines and then see which ones you like best. Is that like, is that good? Is that good advice? Do you do research first? Um, do you AB test? Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, I think for me, I like to I like to think about headlines after the article's written. And I don't know if that's right or ideal or whatever, but it's hard for me to conceptualize what the title should be without having the content. Um, As far as like help coming up with options, because I do think that there is merit to coming up with say 10 examples and then narrowing that list. Um, A couple of things that I mentioned in the book beyond those, headline generation tools are, um, some like headline analysis tools. So you Mm -hmm. could, you could kind of, you could take those, um, those formulas and, and do, you know, five or 10 headlines or something like that, and then run them through these analysis tools, which, take them from different perspectives. Like one of them's um, from sort of like the emotional analysis, which, Mm -hmm. you know, ultimately that's kind of like that human reader you're trying to reach. You know, they're, they're definitely thinking with their emotions when they're reacting to what content they want to read based on the headline. Um, Also co-schedule has a really great analysis tool that probably has the most uh, highest level of detail. In terms of like, you know, you're using emotional words or, you know, this is like the breakdown of common versus uncommon words, which you want to think about because you want to appeal to your target audience. And like, you know, are they very sophisticated in the way that they talk or, you know, is it closer to like the average eighth grade level of Mm -hmm. reading? And then um, share through has another tool that's very similar to the co schedule one. That again just um, helps break it down by different different aspects. And and then what I like about them is they give some really specific suggestions for what to think about to to tweak it.
0: That's awesome. Uh, the co schedule. Gosh, I forgot the co schedule tool exists, but I use that for a lot, especially after. Hmm. Uh, so Nate Ellering was with the company and came on the show a long time ago. Uh, and I think I mentioned it and I was like, yes, I'm going to use this all the time. And I did. And then I stopped. Um, but that's, <laughs> that's really interesting. There's a lot of really good resources here. Um, now we are, we're coming up on time. This has been such a great <laughs> conversation. Um, if, People want to buy your book. Uh, Like I said, as this episode comes out, it's available for pre-order. When does it come out and where can they order it?
1: Sure. So it'll be on Amazon for at least the first 90 days. Taking advantage of that Kindle selects whatever thing they do. Nice. Um, it, It comes out July 18th. So right now it's available for pre-order as a Kindle. And then on July 18th, the print version will be available. Um, I did not know that before starting this Mm. process that if you do their publishing for the, for the print book, you can't do pre-orders for it.
0: Oh, that's really interesting. It's probably because like the order comes in and then a robot sends it to the printing press and the printer prints it and then it gets shipped out all automatically. Uh, if you pre-order it, it'll just be like a, like that conveyor belt that gets backed up, you know, that's just like a bunch of books (laughs) with nowhere to go. That's really, that is really interesting. I didn't realize that either.
1: Yeah. It's Um, it's so weird.
0: Cool. Well, uh, my advice would be folks to pre-order the Kindle version. And then if you really want the print version, buy it on uh, July 18th. Um, awesome, Maddie. Uh, I do, I mean, I, I like to ask, do you have any trade secrets for us? Uh, do you have any trade secrets for us?
1: Should I focus it on publishing or writing for humans and robots?
0: Mm, dealer's <laughs> choice. What's your, f- pick your choice. favorite one. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, I, maybe we'll focus it on publishing just cause it's so top of mind, but yeah. I think it's, it's important to realize that if you do want to self publish, it is an incredible amount of work. Um, it's, it's worth it because you get creative control and you can really make it what you want. You can, you can put in the level of effort that you have, you know? Um, The other important thing I think to note is the writing, the publishing, the formatting, the book cover, like all those details is like half of it. And Mm -hmm. then the promotion is the other half of it. So don't think that you're done just because the book is done. It's, that's
0: that's about 50% of the process yeah and I'll just <laughs> echo like that is also the same for uh, publishers like they want they want to know how you're gonna promote the book too um, right so that's not just a self-publishing thing if you want to write a book you got to be willing to promote it um, what a great trade secret and it's a perfect trade secret because we're going to talk more about that in build something more which is only available to members of the creator crew you can sign up over at how i built slash 272 it's 50 bucks a year that's less than five bucks a month i'm Good certain deal. that's less than the coffee i'm drinking maddie is it less than the beverage that you're currently drinking it feels like i feel like you got that from somewhere oh that's just well, your yeah. own water cup yeah
1: <laughs> well, well, but it's it's matcha from matcha bar, which is not inexpensive, but it probably is just a teeny bit less expensive than going to Starbucks.
0: So see that, just and um, yeah, my coffee from Starbucks was like six bucks the other day. So, um, fifty bucks a year over at How I Built That It slash two seventy two. Um, Maddie, thanks so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it.
1: Thanks so much for having me.
0: And thank you to everybody listening. I appreciate it. Uh, thanks to our sponsors for this episode, Stellar WP, actually Learn Dash by Stellar WP, uh, Text Expander and Nexus. Until next time, get out there and build something.